Hello and welcome back to the Oslo Raw podcast. I am Tiri Lefsum, your host and the owner of Oslo Raw, the plant-based cafe chain and the wellness concept, which is all about pleasure and growth and self-care. And you know that uh, voice in your head, the one that can talk really loud and sometimes cheers on us, sometimes hate on us. How to harness that? That's the theme today. And I have the pleasure of chatting with Ethan Cross today, an award-winning, world-renowned scientist and psychologist who reveals the hidden power of our inner voice and shows us how to harness it and to deal with anxiety and improve our physical and mental health and deepen our relationship with others. Are there a right and wrong way to communicate with ourselves? And if so, are there techniques that might be useful for us? For these inner voices that are just a little too loud? Cross has found some answers and going to share them with us today. I hope you enjoy it. Lean back, have a cup of hot chocolate and enjoy. I think we often, you know, we hear people talk about the need to silence our inner voice and people often like when I talk to them about the issues that are in chatter, like how, please just tell me how to shut it up, get rid of it. I actually tell a story in chatter of a woman who was leading a very stressful life and who likewise yearned to have her inner voice silenced. And she actually got that wish in the form of a stroke that um, temporarily wiped out her ability to use language. So she couldn't talk to other people, but she also couldn't talk to herself. And initially she described this experience as, as euphoric because as her inner voice went away, so did all her worries and her ruminations. But after a little while, she realized lots of other things went away with her inner voice, like her ability to think and plan well, her ability to create narratives to explain her experiences. And so um, the message I like to convey to people is the inner voice is a tool and it's actually a remarkably effective tool that lets us do many wonderful things like keep information active in our heads. Like if I asked you to memorize a phone number, you might repeat it silently in your head. Um, our inner voice lets us uh, plan for the future, like when you rehearse what you're going to say on a date or at a presentation at work. Um, and it helps us create stories that explain who we are. So those are all vital functions that it serves that are incredibly important to living a really good life. But like any tool, it can be used inappropriately. And when the inner voice is used inappropriately, we get things like rumination and worry and anxiety and depression. And so the real challenge is not to figure out how to get rid of this inner voice, how to silence it. It's to figure out how to harness it. And, and the good news there is that there are lots of science-based tools that people can use to do that. And so that was talking about those tools was a big reason why I chose to, to, to write that book. So where do we start if you want to talk with ourselves in a kind way, be friends with ourselves? Because it's basically about that to say, hello, okay. Uh, so w- why am I thinking I am tired or ugly or not good enough or not saying I have to think positive, think positive. That's a very stressful idea to change the mind. But there are many ways to be in a dialogue and a good dialogue with ourselves. And I guess I think that's part of the tools that you're talking about, like how are we entering that conversation with ourselves in a healthy way? Uh, I started to ask myself questions like, am I really like I have this thing with my stomach that, oh, it hurts all the time. But then I was like, my brain is saying it hurts all the time, but is it really hurting? And then asking questions and then 
suddenly I'm not so sure any longer. Maybe I'm quite healthy, you know? And then it's changing yeah. my physical body. You know what I mean? So there, it's about becoming friend, becoming a team player with ourselves, because instead of saying no, we say yes and ask and be in wonder of that, which is happening inside. So that's, that's what I do, but I want to hear about your tools. <laughs> yeah, no, well, 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 I think, you know, the first thing to keep in mind is that this inner voice, you could think about it as the, the, a conductor within the mind, right? Like, so how we talk to ourselves, how we, when, and what we're talking about, let's, let's be clear, when we're talking about the inner voice, we're talking about silently using language to reflect on our lives in some way, right? And, and that can, in turn, how we talk to ourselves can influence our health, how we think, our relationships. So it, has, it can have quite, quite a few really important implications. Now, um, so what do you do if you find your inner voice running off track? What if you do if you find yourself berating yourself over, over and over again, worrying, ruminating? Um, there are lots of different things you can do. There's no single magic tool. There are many. I talk about 26 of them in the book. And I like to organize them into three categories. There are, there are things you could do on your own, ways of shifting the way you're, you're talking to yourself, so to speak, that can improve the conversations we have with ourselves. Then there are ways of um, interacting with other people, harnessing our relationships with others to change the nature of our conversations. And then there are also ways of interacting with our physical environments that can have effects on how we talk to ourselves. And within each of those different categories are lots of different kinds of tools. Um, I should say, and I'll, I'll give you a couple examples to make that really concrete for people. But uh, one, another important take home is sometimes when we want to change our conversations with ourselves, it's not about making them totally positive, right? Sometimes you can talk to yourself in a negative way and that's totally fine. Like if you really screw up, we're not trying to pretend that that script didn't happen. What we're trying to do is allow you to focus on that situation, to think about it, to problem solve, and ultimately work through it so you could learn something that benefits you down the road. But that doesn't always take the form of saying, it's going to be okay. You're, you're fine. I mean, right? There can be some other, other kinds of nuanced conversations that we have. So that's the framework. Things you could do on your own ways of talking to other people and your environments. A couple of examples. When I find myself experiencing chatter, and that's the term I use to refer to the dark side of the inner voice, right? When you're getting stuck in a negative thought loop. One thing I'll do is I'll use something called distant self-talk. I'll try to give myself advice, coach myself through the situation like I would give advice to a close friend. And I'll actually use language to help me do it. I'll use my own name. All right, Ethan, how are you going to manage the situation? One of the reasons why we find, we think that language is such a useful tool for changing the nature of our conversations is think about when do you use names? Most of the time we use names and, and, and second person pronouns, words like you, we use them when we think about other people. And so the idea is when you use your own name, that's automatically changing your perspective. It's getting you to relate to yourself like you would another person. So that's really helpful um, and can break me out of a fit of... Um, discomfort, if you will. Uh, another thing I'll do, if it's something that is like a moment, a stressful, acute experience, I'll do something called mental time travel. I'll think about how I'm going to feel about this situation six months from now or a year from now. Oftentimes when we're experiencing chatter, we get so 
immersed in the situation. We can't think about the bigger picture. And yet we know that most emotions go up and then come down over time. They're temporary states. And, you know, like I could be rejected at work or from, let's say, a romantic partner, and it feels awful. And if all I'm doing is thinking about that rejection, not good. But how am I going to feel about this six months later? There'll be lots of other things that happen in between that. What that does, it makes it clear that what I'm going through is temporary. And that gives people hope, which could be useful when their inner voice is tormenting them. That's so interesting because... I do this physically. I put out like papers on the floor and I go like, okay, one week, how does it feel? Two weeks, how does it feel? Just to physically actually move in the time because some like if I have a heartbreak or if it's really stressful at work, it's, as you say, that's all the body and mind is about. It's physically so stressful. That's right. But in as you say, moving into the future, it changes this moment, the physical experience of this moment. And it's almost too easy for the negative chatter to accept that it's all fine, you know, because it's also about letting go and say, oh, it will be good, you know? And that the ego or negative part says like, no, hold on to the bad stuff, you know? Because, so it's kind of a battle, but it the whole point here is to ease up that battle and to be kind with that voice that we have judged so much the one that says work harder be better you're not good enough and maybe that's the part that really needs to to soften so well and i think a lot of these tools what they do is they they help us do that they 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 take the edge off right when our let's say you know if it's our inner critic is is ranting like you're not good enough and you don't belong Oftentimes, it's just a matter of getting a little bit more mental space, being able to step back a little bit, to look at that bigger picture, to even realize that, hey, I'm thinking this way, but I don't have to think this way. I can think differently about things. And that's what these different psychological shifts can help us do. You know, if we go back to the distant self-talk as an example, we've done lots of experiments in which we ask people to tell us what's going on in your head when you're worried or ruminated about something. Oftentimes, people are reluctant to share with us what they're thinking. They're embarrassed to just reveal what they're saying to themselves because they would never say that to another human being out loud. And I think that's a really, for me, that's been a really important observation, right? That sometimes the things we say to ourselves, you would never dream of saying to your best friend or your worst enemy for that matter. And yet we willfully and easily say that to ourselves. And so, you know, if you shift your perspective, you use language to help you talk to yourself like you would a friend, that changes that narrative. And and that can often make a difference. Mental time travel also gives us this experience. When we're stuck in chatter, oh my God, how am I going to launch this new venture? Nothing is working, right? If you step back and think, well, what's going to happen a year from now, right? That gives you this experience. It it, it broadens your perspective. You realize, hey, there's a lot that can happen. It's not just going to be about this new venture a year from now. There are lots of other things. And that minimizes the issue just a little bit. And it's often just that small minimization that can make a difference. So those are two two things you could do um, on your own. It looks like you wanted to get in there with the question. When you say language, you mean like physical, like out loud of your voice? That's what you mean with language. 
Well, I use, I, so, okay, good, good question. Um, for the distance self-talk, what I mean when I say language is using your name to think about your circumstances. Now, I would not encourage people to walk down the city streets talking to themselves using their own name. That might get you into trouble. If you really feel like that's helpful, make sure you have some like your AirPods in so it looks like you're talking to someone else. But in our studies, we have people do this silently. So, um, you know, if, if I have a particularly stressful experience, I'll just, I just did it. All right, all right Ethan, what are you going to do? I think using my own name rather than thinking in the first person. So that would be the suggestion. Could you have like an example? Like you say, oh, Ethan, blah, blah, blah. How do you do it? Like, how does it happen? And how many minutes does it take? And yeah. So like in, in our studies, I'll give you an example. Like um, we often like try to induce stress by having people think about really stressful things they have to deal with, a, a presentation at work, a date. And the normal way that people try to work through their emotions is in the first person. How am I going to manage this? And when we have people describe what they think about when they think in that first person, it's all about emotion. Oh my God, I can't do this. I, I, I need a lot more time to prepare for this. I'm going to suck. It's going to be terrible. When you have people use their name, it's like they're, they're coaching someone else. Come on, Ethan, you've done this a hundred times before. You can do it again. It's going to be great. And even if it's not great, it'll be over with. And then you'll go on to the next thing. So when you use the name, it, it alters the narrative. You're more in a coach mode as opposed to this critic mode. Um, and that can be quite useful. As to how long it takes, you know, it totally depends on who the person is, the nature of the, of the issue that they're struggling with. Um, sometimes, for me personally, It just takes uh, you know a couple of seconds to switch out of this harmful way of thinking. I'm like, you're being ridiculous. You know, this is never going to happen. So just get back to work. Um, in other cases, if it's a more intense stressor, I'll have to do it repeatedly uh, over a longer period of time. So it, it, it does vary a little bit. But before, when you were stuck much more into it, how did you get from being totally absorbed into negativity to get being? You seems you seem very trained in this type of work you know but for us right. like normal like untrained people well, how well, do we, what I how think, much time does it take to get like there when it gets like a few seconds i think it takes a commitment to using these practices tools there's a lot of complexity that has gone into their discovery a lot of really hard work and careful thinking and brain research and so forth but at the end of the day the tools themselves are easy to use They're, 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 they're straightforward. Um, they're organized, you know, in my book, I organize them from simplicity to complexity. And even the most complex tools aren't really that complex, right? So, um, so I think what, it, what, you know, step one is just having a vocabulary for talking about inner experience, I think is really important. A lot of people, like we all have an inner voice, but a lot of people have never even talked about what that even means. What does it mean to have an inner voice? You know, it's not like dinner time conversations revolve around this topic for with families and their little kids. Like, you know, they do in my house to my kids' dismay, but that's because I teach about and I do research on this. But what does it even mean to have an inner voice? And and what is chatter? Is it normal to experience chatter? What does a normal level of that mean? Yes, it is normal. I'll I'll say that to everyone. Um, so I think just having a vocabulary for, for talking about this is important because that gives us the opportunity to recognize, hey, I'm about to experience it or I'm experiencing it. 
And then once, once you are experiencing it, if you don't want to, which I think is most people, then the question is, do you know what to do to minimize that state? And that's what the book is intended to do for people is give them the science that explains how these tools work. And once you've, that, then it's a matter of just trying and figuring out which tools work best for you. Um, science has done a pretty good job identifying specific tools, but what we haven't yet figured out is how different tools work together for different people in different situations. There are four or five things that work really well for me, but they may, may be quite different from the tools that work best for you. And so I think there's a real invitation for, for listeners and readers to start doing some experimenting on their own. And if you try a tool and it doesn't work, like don't use it, you know, use a different one and keep on cycling through. Um, so, so let me give you though a couple more examples. So I, I gave you two. Um, there's the distant self-talk and the mental time travel. Another tool is other people, right? So other people are often in an ideal position to help us because they're not in the situation. They've got perspective, they've got distance and they could give us sound advice. But if you look at the research, what we find is that talking to other people about our problems often doesn't help and sometimes even makes them worse. So what the hell is going on? Here's how it works, very simple. Um, many of us think that the way to talk to other people about our emotions is to vent our feelings. Find someone, just unload. Oh, Tyrell, you, you're not gonna believe what happened to me. This person said this, they're such a jerk. What do you, what do you think? And then you're, oh, that's terrible. You must have felt so, so bad. So we engage in that back and forth. What that does is it makes me feel really good about our relationship. Like I know you're a friend that I can count on and you're there to support me. But if all we do is talk about what happened and what I felt, all that does is keep those negative emotions active. So I leave the conversation. I'm just as upset as I started. I feel good about knowing you're my friend, but the situation is still pissing me off. So how do you get over that? The best conversations actually do two things. First, you do talk a little bit about what happened to you. It's important that the person you're conversing with knows about the situation. But then at a certain point in the conversation, the person you're speaking with ideally tries to get you to reframe how you're thinking about the situation. They try to get you to look at that bigger picture, take a step back. So you might say to me, oh, well, this was one bad interview. You've done so many and they've worked out. So, you know, chalk this up to probability or... I've been in the same situation and here's how I've worked through it and, and, and made it better. Or what do you think, how do you think you could improve on it for next time? So what you're essentially trying to do is not just validate how I'm feeling, but you're trying to get me to think about that bigger picture in a way that ultimately helps me resolve the experience. And so that's what makes a really good chatter advisor. And um, I think we'd all be much better off if we had people like that in our lives. And so another invitation I extend to people is to think carefully about who are the people in your life who are particularly equipped to help you work through your chatter. It's not always the people that you're best friends with or your loved ones. There are some people I'm super close with. I don't talk to them about my chatter because it just makes it worse. So think really carefully about who you go to and, and go to those people, not everyone else. And when people come to you for help, be mindful of the fact that it's not just about asking the person how they felt. At, at the appropriate time, you also want to help them reframe how they're thinking about it. So, so that's about 
other people. That's another tool. And I use that tool quite a bit um, in my own life. Um, the last set of tools that I use are environmental tools. Um, and so here, there are a couple of things that I also think are really helpful for people to know. Green space exposure, nature, go for a walk in nature. Lots of research showing how that can replenish all of your attention, which are chatter drains. Um, and, uh, and try to find, find an experience that gives you a sense of awe, right? Like an experience that fills you with a sense of wonder. Awe is an emotion we experience when we're in the presence of something really vast and indescribable. And what happens when we experience that is we feel a whole lot smaller. So, you know, I, I'm looking at an awe-inspiring site right now, your, 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 your child. And, and that, that is, I mean, I've got kids and, and they fill me with awe. What, what people often report having is when you're experiencing that emotion, you feel smaller and so do your, your concerns. And that can be also a, a way of putting things in perspective. So, so that was one, two, three. Those are five tools out of 26. Those are my five. They may be very different from yours and from listeners. Again, there's not one magic tool. Evolution has given us a ton of different ones. And I think that's a really uplifting story, right? That we know that there's so many avenues that we could turn to, to help with our chatter. And so the question, you know, the, the task ahead is to figure out what are the tools that work best for you. Basically, we're talking about building a beautiful relationship with ourselves and the world. That's what it yes. comes down to, because we're talking about like people that are like self-love is so important. You know, you have to accept yourself and all of that. <laughs> Oops, sorry, this is my baby's hand going to the microphone. But uh, if, if I'm not uh, kind with myself and I don't have a good conversation with myself, how can I really have good conversations with anybody if I don't, if I'm not really understanding the dialogue inside of me. We're sending this out anyway, but we can pretend that we're so nice and pleasing everyone. And yeah, I understand how you feel. Oh, you know what you're saying is like, but we have to start within ourselves. And yeah, I mean, you know, one, one early reader of, of the book wrote that when you're talking about the conversations that we have with ourselves, you're talking about the most important conversations we have each day. And I genuinely believe that we spend a lot of time talking to ourselves, a lot more time talking to ourselves than we do anyone else. And you know, think about, think about like all the lessons you get as you're living your life about how to talk to other people. Like our parents teach us, you say this talk this way, you say these kinds of things, you don't say these kinds of things. And those lessons that our parents and our culture, our teachers, our colleagues give us about how to communicate with others, like they give us those lessons because the idea is that if we could communicate better with others, we're gonna be more successful and happier in our lives and healthier. Well, I think we've missed a huge opportunity here thus far because the same thing applies to how we talk to ourselves. So. Really, my hope for this book, Chatter, is to, is to help people start thinking about not just how they talk to others, but how they can talk to themselves more effectively. Because I think if they figure out how to do that really well, there's going to be lots of positive uh, dividends that follow. And also then we maybe know what we actually mean, because I think we think so fast and we're not aware of our minds going so quickly. So we're just talking out of a personality character slash ego kind of inherited 
characteristic you know we're like my li- little bit of mom little bit of dad little bit of that but it's just like who we think we are and so we are really kind in the world but are we honest you know and how we can only know if we're speaking honest if we start to reflect on what's going on inside and ask these questions like hmm am I is that me or maybe that's my mom actually what do I feel and then we can start to actually have honest um, honest dialogues with others but we have, we have kind of have to be maybe look in the mirror and and put the embarrassing things on the table and like okay here here they are because we have feel we feel embarrassed as you said yeah and you, you, if you do you're human so you know welcome to the human condition right i mean honestly if you if you are experiencing chatter at times that's that's being a human right and and so is figuring out how to control it so so no that's i think a very important message for for listeners to really leave this conversation with is if you experience it there's nothing wrong with you we all do at times the question is what are you going to do about it science has a lot of lot to say about how to answer that question listening to this episode i really enjoyed it i um, hope you found some inspiration to get to know your own head your internal voice and chatter and remember to be kind with yourself friendly and relax and i uh, hope you have um, a beautiful day and see you soon